you as Muslims, my brothers and sisters, have to understand that Islam itself is flexible. This is my message to you tonight. Let me give you some scenarios. We have two things in Islam. We have something in Islam called al-mawdu' and fiqh called al-mawdu' al-mawdu' means circumstance, time and place. Al-mawdu' determines what's called hukm al-shari'i. What is hukm al-shari'i? The Islamic law. Let me give you an example. It is the time of Salat al-Dhuhr. The Mu'addin says, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. This is called the circumstance, the time. Now you look at your place, can you pray in that moment? If both of them, if those, both those boxes are checked, the circumstance then develops something called the hukm, an Islamic law, a verdict, a calling, calling upon you to pray. So the circumstance is the time of salah, the hukm is salah is wajib. So imagine it this way, for us to better understand and comprehend this. When the time of salah comes, there are angels. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is calling you. What's your name? Ali. Ali pray, Ali pray, Ali pray, Ali pray, Ali pray until Ali gets up and prays, then the calling is removed. Let me give you another example of circumstance and hukm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, شَهْرُ رَمَضَانَ الَّذِي أُنزِلَ فِيهِ الْقُرْآنُ هُدًا لِلنَّاسِ وَبَيِّنَاتٍ مِنَ الْهُدَى وَالْفُرْقَانِ Until he says, فَمَنْ شَحِدَ مِنْكُمُ الشَّهْرَ فَلْيَصُمْهُ Whoever is present in the month of Ramadan must observe siyam. What is the circumstance? Circumstance is the beginning of the month of Ramadan, not a day before. The beginning of the month of Ramadan. So the time has come. Shahida means that you're not traveling, you're present. Right? Shahida means you're not ill. And all the other reasons why people cannot fast, this means the circumstance is now complete. So the calling comes from the malaika, from Allah. Call it whatever you want to call it. Ali, Sum. Sum, sum, fast. This man wakes up in the morning, he's fasting, he ends his siyam, the calling is over, the next day the calling begins again. Do you understand this? Circumstance? Let me give you another example. Throughout the whole year, there is no calling for you to go to hajj, because it's not the hajjah. When the hajjah comes, those who have istita'ah, what is istita'ah? If they are capable. If the circumstance is complete for them, they are capable to go to hajj. Then a calling comes to them. What's your name? So this second Ali, inshallah, when he becomes 15 and he has five, six thousand dollars in his bank account and he's capable because he's injured his leg, inshallah, after his injury, the malaika, they come to him, they say to him, Ali, you have to go to Hajj, you have to go to Hajj, you, go to, you have to go to Hajj. Now Ali is busy playing Xbox that year. So he cannot go to Hajj. He didn't go to Hajj. The malaika keep telling him, you have to go to Hajj, you have to go to Hajj. Second, third, fifth, he's 20 years old. He goes to Hajj, the calling is gone. But until he goes to Hajj, the calling is there every year, every single year. فَمَنْ دَخَلَهُ كَانَ آمِنًا وَعَلَى النَّاسِ حِجُّ الْبَيْتِ مَنْ اسْتَطَاعَ إِلَيْهِ سَبِيلًا So the circumstance is the month of the hajjah. While you have istita'ah, the hukm is hajj is wajib. Now, how, does, how do those things change? Those examples that we use. Number one, salah. You're about to say, Allahu Akbar, it is the time of salah. The malaika are telling you, what's your name? So, so, so this third Ali, he's about to pray. And what happens is somebody's drowning. Maybe his wife, she's drowning. So he says, I'll pray. It's okay. And then afterwards, I will save my wife. The same calling, as soon as his wife starts drowning, as soon as she starts drowning, the malaika change the calling to this man. They say, you have to rescue her. You have to rescue her. You have to rescue her. So he prayed. He finished the salat. Now he rescued his wife. The ulama say, your salat is batil. You have to redo your salat. You say, why? I prayed. They say, no, because there was no calling. The calling was not then for you to pray. The calling had changed because the circumstance changed. 
The calling was that you have to rescue this woman. You have to rescue your friend. You have to rescue the person drowning. Even if you like them, you don't like them, you know them, you don't know them, they are Muslim, they are non-Muslim, doesn't matter. You have to rescue this person. So you see how circumstance when it changes? Islam is flexible. Islam changes the calling, changes the hukm. Siyam, the month of Ramadan comes. And what's your name? Ilya. Ilya, here he is, mashallah, inshallah, baligh. If he is not, when he becomes baligh, the malaika tell him that you have to fast. Habibi, you have to fast. You cannot drink, you cannot eat. You have to abstain from the things that break your siyam until he becomes old, inshallah. He becomes 90 years old. Now the malaika tell him, Ilya, do not fast. Why? Because this fast, if you fast, this will harm your health. He goes to a doctor. The doctor tells him, you cannot fast. This fast, the siyam will develop, for example, further illnesses in you. He says, no, I am 90 years old, I will still fast. He comes in the Day of Judgment. He says, when I was 90, 91, 92, 93, I fasted. Ya Allah, where is that in my book of A'mat? He said, this was not fasting. Why? Because there was no calling. How can you say, Qurbatan ilallah ta'ala, when Allah is not asking you to do something? So the circumstance when it comes to siyam also changes. Somebody who is ill, a woman that's breastfeeding, a woman that's pregnant, a person who's traveling, he says, Allah, I love you so much, I want to fast when I'm traveling. We say there is no calling. Allah is not asking you to do this. So if you do this and the day of judgment, Allah says you didn't. There was no calling for you to do this. You see? Third is hajj. Hajj is wajib. You have the money, you have istata'a, you have your passports, everything is ready. However, you know if you go to hajj, your life is in jeopardy. They may catch you, they may take you, they may imprison you, they may, ex uh, they may kill you, whatever. I don't know. Now hajj becomes haram. وَلَا تَلْقُوا بِأَيْدِيكُمْ Hajj becomes haram. You cannot go to haram. So you see the Islamic laws, they are themselves flexible. Now we have two different things. We have sharia and we have fiqh. This is where people get confused. They believe sharia and fiqh are two different things. Sharia means a beautiful, clean drinking water within a river. True? Which is what? The Quran and the Saha hadith from the Ahlul Bayt. From Muhammad wa Ali Muhammad. This is called a sharia. Put your hands and drink. This is the nur of Allah, Rasulullah, the Ahlul Bayt. But this Sharia is infallible. Infallible. It is flawless. However, fiqh is our understanding of the Sharia and it is fallible. It changes, it updates itself. Today, the madhab of Ahlul Bayt, on the contrary to other madhahib, has a fiqh that is alive. A fiqh that is alive. How do we? Look at different examples. One very basic one. They say Sayyid Muhsin al-Hakim, rahimahullah, his fatwa was that you have to perform tawaf in a certain, with a certain restriction and hajj. He went to hajj. The Sayyid himself, he went to hajj. After he came back from hajj, he changed his fatwa. He removed that restriction. Why? Because he saw the difficulty of the people. And the religion of Islam is meant to be a religion of ease. So he changed his fatwa. He updated his fatwa. That is when the marja' The person looking at fiqh keeps the people also in mind. That's one example. The second example, brothers and sisters, is dissections. In Islam, it is forbidden for you to go to somebody and cut their body open. After the battle of Uhud, after the battle of Uhud, yes. The uncle of Rasulullah, Hamza, was taken, and you know what they did to him? They cut his limbs, they cut his body. So some of the Muslims were angry. They're saying, you know, if we catch those guys, we do the same thing to them. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam says, I forbid you بِالْمُثْلَةِ وَلَوْ بِالْكَلْبِ الْعَقُورِ Even if you find an ill dog from them, you cannot take him and cut him. 
So cutting people in Islam is not accepted. But when dissections came, now this is to develop Islamic sciences, the ulama have permitted. Yes, in order to develop the mind, in order to create physicians, in order to, cr to create cure for illnesses, in order to develop our medical sciences and our medical schools, you're able to dissect such a laws change. They evolved. In fact, some of our ulama, when they look at slavery, you see slavery within Islam, you read the Quran and there is slavery in the Quran. You look at the, the life of the Prophet, there were slaves. So some people tell you Islam is pro-slavery. That is not true. In fact, one of our greatest ulama has written about this. He says, why was there slavery in Islam? Pay attention. Some of you may be asked. He says, because it was the norm at that time. Muslims went into battle and they took Muslims as slaves. And the only way for you to free the Muslims was if you took some of them as slaves. You cannot free your own people if you haven't taken 10 of them. So you take 10 non-Muslims, not, not non-Muslims, you take 10 of the enemies of Islam, and then after the battle, you trade them. You give them their 10, they give your 10 back. He said, if, the, if Islam and Muslims didn't do this then, the Muslims, their lives would be in jeopardy. They would be taken as captives, prisoners of war, turned into slaves, and there would be no ability for exchange. But once the world came and abrogated slavery and took a stance against slavery, then this slavery methodology, this notion of slavery was abolished and slavery in Islam is also abolished. Now, without making this too complicated, brothers and sisters, what do we learn from this? What do we learn from this? We learn two things, especially those in charge of religious institutions, our important places within our community, is look at the flexibility of Islam and Allah when it comes to the laws. We must follow the same methodology when it comes to the people, especially the youth. Sometimes it takes time for the youth to develop. For example, if he's praying in a certain way, and his salah is not perfect, you know, he's not putting his hands so perfectly, doing his sujood, maybe his wudu is not as perfect, maybe his, his dress code, maybe her hijab. May... Let us be lenient. It took 23 years for the Qur'an to develop. If you spend 23 years on a youth, on a person from the time they're born, by the time they're 23 years, if you spend the same quality time with them, I guarantee you, you will have an ambassador of Islam. You will have somebody who represents Islam in the best of ways. Huh? But we have to be a little more lenient. We should not also expect everything and all the change overnight within people who are coming towards religion. Give them a chance. Be patient with them. Listen to them.